Well, Yale. You never know what you're getting there. Hey, and welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Hey, Barry. Hello. We're back. We are back. We took an unexpected break. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, all, what can you do? All is well. Yeah, everything's do, do not, fine. Do not panic. All is well. It was just unavoidable. <laughs> So, um, but I want to dive in because actually I'm glad that's something that we took the break because um, something happened this week that I want us to talk about. Okay. Which is you got your editorial letter for your next YA novel, which hasn't yes. been announced yet, right? It has not been announced yet. Okay. We, we will announce it here on this very show when the time comes, okay. but but no. Anyway, so um, the only, I mean, I've done some ghostwriting and I've gotten editorial letters for those. Right. Um, but... I'm really intrigued by sort of an author's editorial letter strategy. So can you walk us through? You have an interesting one. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. I, I, I am not sure that it could be called interesting. Perhaps juvenile, <laughs> pre- pre-adolescent. <laughs> I was going to say pathetic. That was going to be my third one. Uh, th- these are all words that could accurately be applied to what I laughingly think of as a strategy. <laughs> No, but I think it's really interesting. And you know what, it what I like about it? best resembles... You know how ostriches stick their head in the sand? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's right. pretty much my strategy. That is your strategy. Is denial. Like, no, no but- there's no editorial letter. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I'm actually really... What I like about what you do is that you've figured out that that's the only way you can get through it. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, first of all, we have to back up and yes, explain... Yes, and explain what it is. That... Well, no. I mean, first we have to explain that, that my particular pathology is that I just can't handle editorial letters. Um, and uh, I, I just can't. It, it's Well, and I want to be clear, too, what an editorial letter is. Which sure. Is- an editorial letter is when your editor reads the first draft of your manuscript and writes you a letter. And they're always the same. They always start with a paragraph, perhaps two, sometimes maybe three, telling you how brilliant you are. Right, which is what you're supposed to do. They always yeah, start with, the you're a, you are a genius, you know, Shakespeare has nothing on you, <laughs> Milton who? And then it goes into, you're an idiot. Here's everything, everything you did you wrong. Fix. You're yeah. so stupid. What's wrong with you? Who told you you could write? Do you even speak English? Um, yeah, so that's an editorial yeah. letter. <laughs> And and then real and then generally the editor says we'd like a revision back in by X, X amount, amount of time, of time. Mm-hmm. yeah blah 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 that sort of thing and you know you're you're going to go through any number of rounds of this yeah um, typically for me I usually go through one to two rounds of this it's rare it's been I've published fifteen books at this point I think maybe on three or three or four of them, I've gone to like three or four rounds of revision. Mm-hmm. I know of one book that is extremely popular and award-winning and blah, 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 that went through 10 rounds of revision. Not one of your books. Not one of no, my books. Yeah, there no. was a bit, yes. I said it was extremely popular and award-winning. How does that describe any <laughs> of my books? awards. And but <laughs> anyway, no, I, you know, I heard about that and I was like, you know, at that point as an author, I feel like you need to put your editor's name on the cover as a co-author. Yeah, seriously. Like seriously, 10 rounds. Nice. That's that's crazy. Um, but so, you know, I get these letters and, and my problem is that I turn in a book and there is this this sort of combination of Catholic Jewish guilt and ego mm-hmm. that tells me it's great. It's great as is. Doesn't need any work. I don't get where the Catholic Jewish guilt. Well, hang on. There. I'm okay. going to explain it. Then you get this letter back. 
telling you it's not. And then I feel bad that I didn't turn in a perfect book. <laughs> okay. I feel bad because now I've made my editor have to work, Aww. you know, and, but that's what they want to do. Uh, well, sometimes, uh, I've had editors. <laughs> I had one editor once say to me, not say to me, but say to my agent, yeah. um, that, uh, th- this was after I had turned in a couple books that were really, you know, didn't need much work uh-huh. at all. Say to me upon turning in another book, you know, he needs to learn how to revise himself better so that I don't have to do it for him or, or words to that effect. Wow. Yeah. Um, somebody did not feel like, uh, somebody just didn't feel like, somebody did not want to work that day. Yeah. I, yeah that was, I, I, and to, to my credit, that should have destroyed me given my particular constellation of neuroses, but I just laughed it off, yeah, which yeah. amazes me to this day. Anyway, but I want to jump but, into what yeah. it is that you do. No. So, I mean, I usually rant and rave and, and, and no, you don't, no, you I, get the email. I get, well, but what I usually do is I get the email and I read it and I, well, no, I don't no, read don't it. Read I don't it. read that's it at first. I'm getting at here. Yeah. I don't read it. I, I sit on it for a long time. Yeah. And by the time I do read it, then I become very defensive and angry. But can we, let's, I want to, I want to walk through this. Yeah. You're rushing through. Okay. Okay. You don't open the letter. Right. What do you think during the time that you have not opened the letter? Like, what are you doing internally? Are you meant, are you preparing yourself for what it's going to be? Are you expecting the worst? What is it? What's Re- going through your mind? Re- refer back to my previous comment in Ray, piles of sand and ostriches and their heads. Seriously, so it's, pretending I'm, have I'm it. pretending it doesn't exist. Okay. I'm, tr- I'm in denial that but it exists. But what do you think that does for you? Beats the hell out of me. Okay. Um, but, it, but it's the only way I know how to cope. Okay. Yeah, it's the only, it's the only way I can deal with it. So I, I, I try to forget that it exists and I give myself a certain amount of time and, and then, and then I open it. And again, like there's, well, this, but well, do you open it? Well, until recently, yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm giving people context okay. for the new way that I handle things. Basically, uh, I thought this conversation was going to go one way and you're totally blowing it up. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. I know what you want me to say, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Okay. I will get there. I promise you. If you stop interrupting me, <laughs> God. So anyway, eventually I open it and I skim through it. And all I see are bad Negative. things jumping okay. out at me. And I want to jump through the screen and kill myself. And and then again, there's this weird transference where I feel bad about myself that I gave them an imperfect oh. book. And, and then, and then that becomes it's no, wait, I didn't turn it in perfect book. They're just stupid. They don't get it. And I become very defensive and angry and childlike, and childlike, you know, throwing temper tantrums and, and occasionally forgetting my potty training. And then, and then I just, you get over it. There's a period of time and I just get over it. And then I actually work on the book. Okay. So that is the old way. Recently, recently what has happened is instead I get the email and I have you read it (laughs) (laughs) right away. You read it right away. And you tell me based on your knowledge of me. Yeah, you can handle looking at this right now or hold off that's a little right. while before you look yeah. at this. Because I think last time, I think we were going away for we the were, weekend. Well, that's just it. We were going away. It was right before the baby came. We were going okay. away for our last last time we would ever go away our together as, as, as non-parents. And literally that day, I got the editorial wow. letter from my editor for, for, for something. And I was like, I, I can't look at this yeah. right now because like – if there's anything remotely bad in there, it's going to ruin yeah. our vacation. Yeah. But at the same time, I had to know what was in it. Yeah. 
Um, and you needed to know how long you had. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the practical aspect. You know, at the end of the letter, they always say, we'd like to get your revision back by, fill in the date here. Is that okay? Yeah. And you can't sit on it for a week like I like to do if they're asking you to get it back to them in a week. Right. So I need to, to know that information. Um, so yeah, we were about to go away and I had you open it and you skimmed through it and you said, okay, first of all, they don't need it back until this time. You're uh-huh. fine. Second of all, you can read this. It's no big deal. Let's just go on vacation. And, and, <laughs> and it was a fine editorial letter. Um, this time I got an editorial letter just a few days ago. Um, hi Alvina. And, <laughs> and again, I had you look at it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I don't, to be honest, don't even remember really what you said. You, you gave me some of the highlights and then you said, oh, they don't need it back for a month. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to take some time. Yeah. And what I did differently this time in my process, usually what happens is by the time you get the editorial letter, you haven't looked at the manuscript in a long time. Right. You know, uh, for example, I turned this particular book in, uh, to my editor in August, of 2015 (laughs) for people who are listening far, far (laughs) in the future. Uh, it is now February of 2016. So that's, you know, that's that's like six months, something like that, give or take, uh, where I haven't looked at it. Mm -hmm. Usually what happens is you get the editorial letter and you read the editorial letter and you get all like, what? They're crazy. They're wrong about that. Or, Oh my God, I suck. Why am I so bad? And then you have to go through the manuscript to figure out how you're going to fix things and change things and so on and so forth. And you go into it with that negativity, whether the negativity is aimed at yourself because you think you're stupid or whether it's aimed at your editor because you think your editor is stupid. Yeah. Either way, you're going into it negatively. And so this time I decided to do something different. We got the editorial letter. You read it. You said, don't worry. You, mm-hmm. You've got time. And I thought, you know what? Before I read the letter, I'm going to reread the manuscript. Yeah, which is super so that So that I can go into it fresh without any sort of self-anger or, or mm-hmm. self-recrimination and see what I think of it. Before somebody else sort of pollutes my mind with what they think of it. And that's what I did. And, and I, so I did that. I sat down and I reread it. I gave myself a few days to reread it. And then I read the editorial letter. Yeah. And I think it helped. Good. Now the problem here is, you know, this isn't really scientific because it could just be this particular editorial letter, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're all different. They're all different. But I mean, I'll try it again next time too, because it it seemed to help. I I did not feel as angry at myself. I didn't feel as angry at the manuscript. Um, I felt a little depressed about some things, but that's better than being pissed off. Um, so yeah, I I feel like it worked better. So this is why I got married so that there would always be somebody around (laughs) to read my editorial letters for me. You could probably have just hired someone to do that. FYI. Damn. I got married for nothing. Speaking of getting married, by the way, yes. in a week, it is our five-year anniversary of our first date. How is speaking of getting married about our first date? Well, because we never would have gotten married if we hadn't gone on this first date, which was the second That's time we met. probably true. And that was the first time we met. Yeah. No. But anyway, I, that uh, that struck us the other day. Yeah. We were like, whoa, yeah. I don't know. But five years, is, it feels like nothing, and yet it also just feels like... You've always been a part of my life. It's yeah, no, I know. That, that, that's the weird thing yeah. is, is that five years is a relatively short period yeah. of time for an adult. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, yeah, it feels like we've known each other for a really, really, really long time, yeah. which, which is great. Yeah. Which is great. So high five. Woohoo. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm ex- I want to hear from other people about whether they have an editorial letter strategy because I think that's Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just taught a class on yeah. revision. 
And one of the assignments was I paired off my students and they had to write each other editorial letters. And I gave them some guidance on how to write the letters, but I gave them zero guidance on how to read them Uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, every author needs to be thrown in the deep end at some point. It's the only way you're going to learn. You know, I'm curious though, what you were saying before about how, um, I mean, the way you handle your editorial letters sort of indicates a, a resistance Immaturity. to... No, no, a resistance to criticism, right? Sure. Okay. I have no problem owning up to no, that. No, 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 but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, in... I took a creative writing class in college where um, when your piece was being workshopped, you sat in the class, but the rule was you had to pretend you were invisible and everyone else had to pretend you weren't there. So, so they all talk. Your, see, if I was invisible, I'd be going around like flicking people's ears. And, right. That's the difference between you and me. I know. Um, but anyway, so like you had to sit there and listen to everyone talking about your work. Right. You couldn't speak. They couldn't speak to you. And, yeah. you know, so did you have to go through anything like that? I mean, I took creative writing classes in college. Uh, I took three of them uh, of varying levels of quality. Um, well, Gail, you never know what you're getting there. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> the best one was taught by Tom Parada. Nice. Uh, he was terrific. And he, he did a good job creating a very collegial atmosphere where we, we all felt like we could exchange ideas. I think, you know, I've heard of classes before where that's the, you know, you basically have to sit on your hands yeah. uh, metaphorically, if not literally, while people are discussing your work. And I think that's because uh, writers in general and young writers in particular have a tendency to get defensive and yeah. to just jump in. You know, somebody yeah. goes, you know, on page one and they're like, you know, page one is very different yeah, from yeah. the rest of the story. So don't even talk about page one and nobody gets to express yeah. what they're saying. So I, I, I think that's more a practical thing. You know, the fact of the matter is once you are uh, a, a working writer, you're, you're not going to listen silently of while people not. are yeah. c- criticizing your work. I mean, you know, one of the things I did this past week was call my editor to go over some things in the editorial letter yeah. because there were, I had questions. There were things I needed clarification on. There were some things I disagreed with. There were some things where I thought, you know, I see what you're saying here, but I think what you're pointing towards isn't the right way to handle it. What if I do this instead? Did, mm-hmm. Would that assuage your concerns there? And she had some things where she said, you know, I, I said this in the letter, but I really meant this. And, and that, that was good. You have to have those conversations, yeah. you know, to, to clarify things. I just meant, does that, um, uh, did it, did going through an experience like that in a creative writing class where you're being openly critiqued, yeah. um, did that help you? Because that helps you understand how to, to how to accept critiques. You know, I mean, You you know, you, you have a knack on this show for asking me questions that force me to answer them in such a way that I reveal what a horrible human being I am. (laughs) This is one of those cases. Then my goal here is, is met. (laughs) In, in the creative writing classes that I took in college, with the exception of uh, a few, a couple of students in the Tom Parada class. I was exceptionally confident that I was the best writer in the room. Got it. Okay. So when people were critiquing my work, I was sort of only half listening. Now, whether I was or wasn't the best writer in the room, I have no idea. But in the fullness of youth, I felt that way. And you know what? That's actually, I think that's really brave of you to admit. So I, you you know, but I will, I will, I will, I will say that, you know, totaled over those three classes, uh, there were probably... 35 students. And as far as I know, I'm the only one who makes his living doing this. So you do the math. Um, yeah, I, I just, I really, there were a lot of 
there were a lot of things that people said where I was just like, no, that's stupid. I didn't say that out loud. I listened politely, but I, I was thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And I've read what you've written and it sucked. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. going to listen to you. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the, the teachers were better, obviously the yeah. teachers had more interesting things to say. And Tom's class was phenomenal. And there were two guys in that class who were miles ahead of me. I don't know whatever happened to them. Huh. Uh, as far as I know, they haven't published anything. Um, but that that yeah. was how I felt. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you for that. And yeah. yeah, listeners, seriously, tell us about your own editorial letter strategy. Give us, yeah, those I'm of you who just curious. get those, give us your strategies because yeah. as a public service, we'll talk about them on the yeah, air. Yeah, right. And do you the, like, do you go get uh, a bottle of wine and some chocolate before you open it? Like what, you know, what do you do? Do you uh, make sure you're trashed? What is it? I don't know. I'm oh, curious. Man, I'm, I, I, I'm. Too bad you don't drink. I know. If I, if only I drank, <laughs> maybe I need a prescription for Xanax or something <laughs> just for when I get editorial Seriously. letters, you know, take three times the recommended daily dose and read my editorial letter. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Yes. Um, I saw a movie this week that I was really excited to see. Yeah. Um, the witch, the witch, Witch. she's a witch, Burner. um, which no pun intended. Oh. You didn't want to see. So I went with a coworker yeah. slash friend. Um, because her husband didn't want to see it either. And we were like, Let's I like it. this guy. I've never met him, but I already <laughs> like him. Um, but what I, what really struck me is, so first of all, I love horror movies. Um, and I, I like being scared. I like those jump in your seat moments. This movie has been billed as like one of the scariest movies ever. Wow. Um, I think in the, the Sundance article, the, the Sundance festival, it won like, you know, scariest movie we've ever seen award. I made that up. Um, but anyway, my point is, <laughs> that should be getting, an award <laughs> though. Be, yeah. Um, it's been getting a, a lot of reviews about how it's incredibly, incredibly scary. Right. There were only a handful of jump out of your seat moments. You only peed your pants like twice. No comment. <laughs> oh, no, that's gross. But, um, but what it did have was this nice slow burn throughout the whole film. Yeah. Of, atmosphere yeah. of like something's coming, something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Of anxiety and tension, but also just truly the general, I mean, the, the aesthetics of the film were just stunningly beautiful. And so from a film direction point of view, it was beautiful to watch, but also creepy to watch. Yeah. Um, so, and then the ending was, was fantastic. So I really recommend it. First of all, if you are into scary movies at all um but what i what really struck me about it was the fact that it it didn't depend on those jump in your seat moments to be a good film like it's not tricking the viewer into being stupidly scared every five minutes um it's not like scream where in the the first five minutes you hack drew barrymore to death just to show people this is what you can expect right yeah and and i like scream so i like you know whatever but um but i just started thinking about how like Maybe my reaction to The Witch is sort of similar to how I feel about a lot of YA these days, which is that I like that slow burn. Mm -hmm. I like that building of atmosphere. Um, We've talked about this before. I like slow openings. I like sinking into a book. Right. And that's not the trend these days. (laughs) Absolutely not. And so it was really refreshing to watch a horror movie that did that and that allowed me as the viewer to slowly sink in and just feel, uh, you know, 15% scared the whole time and only move up at certain moments. Um, so I just really appreciated that. So, yeah, I mean, we talked, we've talked about this before. We talked about the leftovers season, yeah, two, the, leftovers, yeah, the, yeah. the opening of uh, that and, and how that built tension and was slow and, and all that. 
and how it's difficult to pull that off. I think it's tough to do that in books because I, I think it's really challenging. Like I, I, I think the easiest thing in the world is to say, Oh, this book starts slow. That's intentional. Yeah. But, but there is an art to a slow burn. Yes. You know, sure. I mean, any, any fool can write a slow beginning to a story. Yeah. It's the easiest thing in the world. You know, describe everything your character is doing in mundane detail mm-hmm. and you've got a slow as hell beginning to your book, but no one's going to want to read it. Right. The trick is how do you compel people to keep turning pages when in squ- in scare quotes, nothing is happening? Yeah. You know, yeah. how do you use language and emotion and, and symbolism and metaphor and all of those things to get somebody turning the page, even though nothing's going on. Yeah. And that's, that's a really difficult thing to do. And I, and I think that, or I should say nothing out of the ordinary, like there are things happening. I think, I think that is probably a skill more difficult to develop than the slam bang opening. Totally. You know, I think that's a lot harder to develop. And it's funny because while you were talking about this, I was thinking as I often do about Stephen King Mm -hmm. And in my misspent youth, I read everything of his over and over again. And one thing I began to notice was that, you know, there was sort of a pattern to a lot of his early books, which was that for the first half of the book, nothing horrible would happen. Okay. It was these people living their lives. Yeah. And maybe just some little oddities in the background. And you're kind of like, well, now that's peculiar. Yeah. Huh. I wonder who that is in the background. And the, and and you just read this book and nothing, you know, yeah. the real crazy shit happens in the last 80 to 100 pages, yeah. you know? Not so much anymore, but especially in the earlier books. Um and and that's really interesting to me trick. because yeah. you know, again like with the witch, you think, "Oh, it's going to be horror, so from page 1 it's going to be blood and guts on the table." Uh-huh. And it's not. Like it, yeah. it's this slow seducing you into everything is normal oh what's that oh mm-hmm. don't worry about that we'll come back to that later yeah. it's okay oh look at no don't worry about yeah. it you didn't see what you thought you and saw and i think it's almost it might be easier to do in a film than it is in a book so like shout out to the authors who can do that yeah i think there are a lot of things that are easier in film be- yeah because it's a more immersive experience mm-hmm. because it, it's it's assaulting multiple senses yeah. and you're and you know when you usually watch a film you're in a dark room yeah like you know you're not getting up and leaving anytime soon. You know, you're with other people, you know, it's a whole different experience than reading a book where at any random moment, you know, you can just close it and walk away. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a lot harder to do in a book. I mean, I remember I wrote a Western many years ago where, you know, I opened, is this the one I just read? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I opened, I was like, please tell me you didn't write another Western. No, no. Kidding. But I opened with like, and I don't know if the draft you read had this opening, but the original opening was like, you know, four or five pages, just sort of like a guy on a horse riding through the desert. Like nothing happening, just yeah. guy on a horse, clip, clop, clip, clop, and this yeah. description of the scenery. And, you know, he's just riding, riding through the desert. And like, in my mind, that was that opening pan yeah. in a Clint Eastwood Western where you pan across the desert and then you see somebody ride in on their horse, you know, yeah. but that's tough to do in prose and keep people engaged and keep people interested. Yeah. You really and I love trust, it too. You have to trust the author. You, you do. Yeah. The, and the author has to earn that trust yep. like in the first hundred words. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. like the first half page, yeah. because if, if just nothing's happening, it's yeah. just beautiful writing. A lot of people aren't going to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
switching gears to a, a quick parenting thing before we move on, which is that uh, I just realized this is an old article, but I was intrigued by it anyway, which is uh, NPR ran a piece called Parenting Habits That Haven't Caught On in the U.S., We've talked about this a little bit when we talked way back last year about bringing up Bebe. And Which my, we talked about like on the first 15 episodes Seriously, of this show. legit. Um, but anyway, and I knew some of this already, but I was really fascinated by all of it. So we'll put a link in the show notes. But it was some really cool things that I wish that we did here. Ah. So one is, and I feel like this is probably the most popular one, so everyone knows this. But in Denmark, it is... It has to do with wooden shoes, right? No. It is not uncommon to leave your baby outside napping in his or her coach while you're inside a restaurant or a shopping mall or something like that. What? Did you not know this? No. No. So there's like, if you walk past a cafe, there are babies sleeping outside. That's insane. I mean, it's not. That's what they do in Denmark. So there was actually a woman here in New York City. Just because they do it in Denmark doesn't mean it's not insane. (laughs) There is a woman from here in New York City who is from Denmark. And was arrested because she did that here and did not realize that it was not not a thing that you do here. Um, oh but, you know, they believe God. that the cold air is restorative. And, I'm and not even talking about the cold no, air. of course not. But that's, you know, Denmark's I'm a small country. Talking about needing baby Lojack. I mean, that's... Oh, my God. But, like, I, I like the idea of, like, parking my baby and sitting at a window watching her while we have a nice meal. But it's, <sighs> I know it's never going to happen here, obviously. Um, I am I am staunchly against this. <laughs> I'm Barry Liga, and I disapprove this message. <laughs> so there were some other really interesting ones, too. Um, in Spain, which actually makes sense, um, they cannot imagine putting your baby to bed at, like, 7 p.m. the way many of us do here. Okay. Because a lot of what happens in Spanish families' activities is at yeah. nighttime. Oh. So, and they want the baby to be involved in that. Sure. So babies go to bed at, like, 10 p.m. Because wow. there's a whole bunch of activities happening with the family. and So the then they wake up the at like 10 the next morning and who's home know. taking care of the baby? Who knows? Uh, but anyway, so baby stay up late in Spain. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and I think it was in Vietnam. Uh, babies are basically potty trained by age nine months. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. They, they Come on. You're fun. trolling me now. I swear. Is this our April Fool's episode? No. But they do some whistle, like Pavlov's dog. Um, they do some whistling when babies start urinating. I'm, I'm going to need to see the, 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 the science on this one. <laughs> anyway, there was some really cool stuff that just, you know, happens in certain countries that doesn't happen How here. How can you potty treat? They can't get to a toilet. They Like, babies aren't even, some babies aren't even walking at nine months. Well, yeah, it's not, I, I mean... I, I don't want you to envision, like, babies standing up and walking into the bathroom. That's not what's going on. But they basically hold it until they are, until the parent allows them to go by whistling. Oh, my God. So, like, the Also, parent, I've only read this little paragraph on NPR, so I'm not, like, an expert. So I, I might have that I guess the parent, like, takes them and holds them over the toilet and then whistles. I think so. And the baby lets loose. I don't know. They didn't demonstrate. This is, that is the weirdest damn thing I've ever heard in my life. There's, there's actually a lot of people who do that. I've, I, I read it on the mom boards. Wow. Well, if it's on the mom boards, it must be true. That's, you know, internet. It was on the internet, so. <laughs> this has been the Shock Barry segment Seriously, of the podcast. I did not think this would shock you that much. I am, sh- I am shocked. I am aghast. <laughs> anyway, it was cool. And obviously, in France, as we all know. Um, you they know, give babies wine from, like, day Well, three. the babies eat what the adults are eating, yeah. which is very fancy things. Yeah. Well, we think they're fancy. To the they're French, really they're just fancy. food. Yeah. yeah. They're just uh, what we would consider adult foods. Right. But. 
Anyway, it was neat. That is Do we have any parenting updates for this week? Um, Our kid is a hoot. She's she's hilarious. She's she's crazy. She's a comedian. My favorite new thing is now she'll either hide something, um, and then look at us and raise her hands up like yeah, she like shrug. shrugs like yeah. what happened? Well, I, I don't know. With this innocent look on her face, uh-huh. like I don't know what happened to it. Wasn't me. Or anytime I find myself saying like. Where did it go? Or what happened? She does the same thing. Yeah. So that's my favorite. I think today, so for the past few days um, at night when I'm cleaning up or straightening up after she's yeah. gone to bed, I'm finding like toys under the carpet. Ah. And I keep wondering like, how is it, how are they, like the carpet's really like flat yeah. against the floor. I'm like, how is this, how are they getting kicked under there or whatever? And I was, I was puzzled by this. Today I caught her lifting the carpet <gasps> and shoving toys you under. Did. And I'm like, oh, mystery solved. <laughs> this is her new thing. That's really funny. She also does this thing now, I don't know why, where she'll be in the middle of playing or hanging out with us or whatever, and she'll suddenly stop, get up, walk across the apartment to the hall, yes. and lean against the wall in the hallway as if being frisked yes. by the cops. Literally, hands up. Like, hands up, like, in. on the thing, leaning in, like, you know, legs spread, yeah. like, you know, I'm not holding officer, I swear. Yeah. Um... And, and and then she'll smile, and then she'll come back to us. She's so funny. And I have no idea why she's doing this. Yeah. It's, I'm just like, okay, yeah. like, are, do you think the wall's going to fall down? Are you <laughs> trying to help out? Like, I don't get it. And she's also really into moving things from one place to another yeah. all the time. She so redecorates. Today, yeah, she brought all of her, one by one, all of her Sesame Street dolls over to me. Yeah. Then one by one, brought them all back to the chair, and then one by one, moved them all from that chair to another chair. Right. And we were like, what is it? What is she learning from I, I don't activity? know what she's getting out of that. Like, it's adorable. I don't it know. Is, it is. It's cute. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if she's just like, I wonder what they look like over here. I wonder <laughs> what they look like over here. Will they all follow me? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she's maybe she's just like, let's see how much weird stuff I can do before my parents <laughs> stop me. Maybe. She's testing her boundaries. Well, having a 16-month-old is very fun. It is. Yeah. It is. So let's do a quick writing update. Sure. Um, Where so are you? you? I, I'm almost done with this <laughs> you revision. Had sa- you had said that yeah. by the end of the month you would be done, yep. and it is February 27th, and you are almost done. I am almost done. Um, and you get an extra day this year. Cause it's I know. Yeah. It's a whole extra day to work. Uh, no, I um, I thought... I, I don't know what I thought. I thought that this would be... Basically, I'm, I moved... I moved an event that happened right around page 85 up to about page 35 or 40. Wow. Which, when I first decided to do that, I was like, that's no big deal. <laughs> but it's actually a really <laughs> It's big only deal. 50 pages. Well, it's like, obviously, there are lots of, you know, moving something like that has a lot of ripples yeah. into, into the rest of the book. So I've already done what I think, knock on wood, is all of the hard work. And now I'm just smoothing out the ripples in yeah. the middle of the book. Um, and I'm almost done with that. Cool. So, so that's good. I can't wait to see it. I cannot freaking wait to finish this. Uh, and then once I'm finished with it, I will have you read it and make sure that I didn't go crazy. And then I'll send it back to the agents who requested Or it. that if you did go crazy, it's in the best way possible. Exactly. Yes, that's true. Yeah. How about you? Um, I, again, I, I just got this editorial letter, yeah. uh, wrapping up my class and then I will be jumping into the revision on this book. Um, and meanwhile, I'm which I've reading. got a couple weeks to, to do and that's fine. It, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I just yeah. have to figure out exactly where I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, I, d- I wrote, uh, 
as as listeners know, I was working for a while on a fantasy novel, uh, and I did the first 60 pages, which was my goal, and gave it to you, and you started reading it. And then as soon as I'm done with this revision, I will do about 50 or 60 pages of another novel, nice. and then I will put them next to each other, and I will decide which one is going to have the benefit of my love. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm excited. I just started reading your first pass. And, like, so. the first two words, like, you, you loved. Like, that's true. Because you just, you read those. That's yeah, all you've that's read it. so far. Two words. Yeah. It's my limit. Yeah, I know. So, cool. Cool. All right. That is it for us for this week. Thank that's you so it. much for listening, everyone. Submit your uh, editorial letter strategies if yes, you have it. Yes. Us, or email us. That'd or, be great. or if you don't have strategies, but you have suggestions, sure. I'd love to hear suggestions. Other than, hey, Barry, don't be a dummy, crazy person. Because people have been telling me that my whole life, and it hasn't happened yet, yeah. so the odds are really slim. Yeah. Anyway, visit us on writinginreallife.com, where you can find our show notes, contact form, and other information, and leave us a message if you'd like. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a rating while you're there, and follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.